You are listening to Your Family Matters, all things marriage, divorce, and co-parenting with your host, Naomi Douglas, marriage coach and divorce coach. This is Episode 8, The Third Way, Parallel Co-Parenting. Hi, thanks for being part of this episode. I'm really glad you're here because today's episode, which is on the third way, parallel co-parenting, I think it's a really important topic for any co-parent. So basically, I'm going to talk about three types of co-parenting and particularly the third one. And I'm going to talk about the two pillars that make up that third way of co-parenting. So, the first way of co-parenting, which we need to touch on before we get to that third way, is what could be called cooperative co-parenting. It's a co-parenting style where the two parents are very involved with each other. Okay, there's a lot of communication, there's a lot of agreement and conferring, and so basically the little day-to-day things that happen are worked out between both parents. So, you know, there may be agreements that a lot of things that happen in one house are also happening in another, whether that's bedtimes or TV time or study times, um, all sorts of, you know, maybe the same chores, you know, lots of nitty-gritty details, and they're discussed and shared amongst the parents. And this really only works when there's two parents who can talk really well with each other, who can talk frequently with each other, who have really similar attitudes about life and the way life should be inside their homes, and where there's a harmony um, and an ease and a, a, an ease of getting along together and willingness to get along together and be very involved with each other. Now, that type of co-parenting only happens where there's a real sense of harmony and mutuality between the two parents, which is often not the case because, you know, when a marriage breakdown breaks down, there can often be conflict and tension and pain, you know, issues and things that do not, are not conducive to this kind of really close-knit relationship between the two parents. And also, um, that kind of real cooperative co-parenting, we have a lot of little details that you're agreeing to, really happens with two parents who have very similar views on a lot of things. And a lot of times when people break up in a marriage, uh, well, first of all, it could be rooted in that, you know, two people are going in different directions. And once you split up, you can tend to even more so go in different directions and start to see, or maybe you always have seen things quite differently. And your home is going to be quite different than the home of your co-parent. And so that kind of cooperative co-parenting doesn't happen in a lot of cases. Now, what this can often mean is that instead of cooperative co-parenting, there is conflicted 
co-parenting. And that means that there's a lot of arguments and there's a lot of arguing, right? So parents still interact about a lot of details, but in a very negative way. So that, you know, all these things become the source of, you know, arguments, anguish, tension, um, and lots of things that are affecting the children adversely and making a really unpleasant environment to grow up in for the children involved in that kind of parenting. And in fact, a lot of research has been done all around the world about, you know, children of divorce and what's been agreed upon, you know, in, in, in all across the world with all kinds of research is that it's this ongoing conflict that is what really puts children at risk. And, you know, we're talking about at risk of, you know, mental health um, problems and all kinds of social problems and, you know, things that you would never want your child to experience. So if you're not really, really clear that it's, you know, on the t- absolute top priority on your list is that you, you are, you're going to protect your children from conflict, then you really do need to go and look at the research and really understand how serious that is. But I'm going for now in this podcast, I'm going to assume that you really get it, that you really know that conflicted co-parenting is the last thing in the world that you're going to opt for, right? So then if you can't do cooperative co-parent, there has to be a third way right? And you have to sign up for that third way. And that third way is called parallel co-parenting. And what that's about is that's about that you don't work out all these details with each other. You agree to disagree. You learn to live and let live. You understand that things are going to be different in one house from another. And the only thing that you do in terms of making agreements and decisions is you do that with the big decisions that really do have to be worked out between the two parents. And you find a way to do that, whether that's mediation or whatever it takes to find a way to make that. And maybe you have court orders in place for the big agreements. That could be the case. But the point being that you do not choose to argue over, you know, the things that are going on in your daily lives, but you are able to find basically a structure that works, or at least it works well enough, right? And then you really make it the priority is we're not going to argue. We're not going to be conflicted. We're going to get on with things and create an environment and a world that our children can live in and grow up in where they can thrive and prosper and not be damaged by ongoing conflict. So that means that a lot of co-parents need to do parallel co-parenting. And what I can say is this is not the kind of thing that comes naturally, okay? It's It's not instinctive. These There are skills that need to be learned. And there's really things that you need to understand in order to approach uh, the whole task of co-parenting and find your way into a functional, parallel co-parenting relationship. So there are two pillars for this. And these two pillars are almost like 
a balancing act between the two because they're actually maybe opposites of each other in a certain way. One of them is all about autonomy, okay? So it's giving a parent the autonomy to live the way they live within their household, right? So you give each other that autonomy. And the other is the working relationship between the two of you because there still does need to be one, okay? So there are key things about each of those pillars. With the working relationship, the real key one is how do I address concerns? Because you see, you've parallel co-parenting is based on this idea. We live and let, let live. We agree to disagree. However, the reality is that you're likely at some point, and maybe, you know, this comes up a lot, is that you have concerns. You have concerns about your child. And the question is, what do you do with those concerns? Now, to some extent, you may need to learn to just live with them, right? It's like your your child is going to... You may not think that what your child's experiencing in the other person's house is ideal, but you need to learn to live with that, right? And you're not going to get ideal, right? So to some degree, it may be about managing your own expectations or your own anxiety around your children and what happens with your children when they're not with you. On the other hand, it's healthy to be able to tell the other parent when you have a concern about your child, particularly if it's, you know, a profound concern, there needs to be some possibility of being able to express that in a way that's not going to damage the relationship and is not going to cause conflict and where you actually feel like your concern is taken into consideration. And that does not mean that they change the way that they feel they need to do things because you have a concern, but that there's some way in which you establish the capacity to acknowledge each other's concerns and at least give some sort of feedback about where you stand with that without it being a conflict, right? The other part of the relationship is this autonomy. And what I want to explain to you that underlies autonomy that each parent has within their household has to do with the system of parental authority in the family, okay? So in every family, there is a system of authority, and whether that's working or not working, you know, depends. But what you want is you want a functional system of parental authority, Okay, and this is something that you need to be careful about when you have um, a broken marriage and two homes because what can easily occur is that a parent's authority is undermined by the other parent, right? So if, you know, one parent is disapproving of the other parent and is openly and outwardly disapproving of them, the message to the child can be, don't trust that parent or that parent, you know, what they say and what they do in their home is wrong. And I, you know, you shouldn't trust it. You shouldn't um, give into it. And so what you're doing is you're eroding the 
authority system, and that's not healthy for children. Okay, so children need to be able to respect their parents and rely on them to be the adults in their life, to look after them, to make decisions for them, you know, and as they age, they're able to make some decisions on their own, but it's really important that that's age-appropriate and that adults stay adults in their um, child's world so that children are free to be children and they can just go about their business. And it's important business, the business of being a child, the business of childhood, the business of growing up. You know, they're forming their, their themselves, literally. They're forming, you know, their brains, their bodies, and also their, you know, their psychology is forming, their sense of self is forming. Their worldviews are forming, and that's important business. And they need to be left to be children to do that and to rely on the adults to be adults. So when you start undermining the other parent's authority, you're really eroding something very fundamental to your child's well-being. Right? And this is so easy to do when there's hostility and you know there's a sense that the other parent is really disappointing you in the way that they're going about parenting. But you know, I have to say that unless we're talking about real, true child abuse, you know, and when I say that I mean the kind of thing where you need to get police involved and you need to get the um, the Department of Child Safety involved, unless you're talking about that, the other parent has a right to be a parent and has a right to be a parent in the way that they see fit. And they certainly might not be a perfect parent. In fact, you know, their parenting may not be the greatest quality at all. But they are still the parent that your child has. And you actually have to come to terms with that. And you also have to recognize that you know, marriage breakdowns are traumatic. And you are going to have a lot of feelings you know, about the breakdown, about that other person. And you also may have strong feelings because they have different philosophies than you have, and they have different worldviews, and they see things differently, and that might be really disturbing for you and upsetting for you. But you do need to be able to get over it and, and to realize that the more important thing is that your child has a sense that they can just you know, let go and relax and live a peaceful life going from one home to another. And that, you know, they have a lot that they have to adjust to. They have to live with having two homes to whatever degree that is. I don't know whether, you know, it's a 50-50 or if it's just that they occasionally go see their other parent. But they have to live with these this separation and these two different homes and these two different ways of accessing their parents. And they have to live with the different worlds that their parents live in. So what you want to do is you want to make that as 
easy as possible for them, that they need to be comfortable living in those differences. And they're certainly not going to be comfortable with it when, you know, they're hearing all this conflict and anguish about what's going on in the other person's home and how bad that is, how wrong that is, and how much you disagree. That's, you know, that's just no way for a child to live. So you have to understand how important it is to get over yourself and get over your feelings about that so that you can really be a functional parent, a functional parent who can put into place a functional system of parallel co-parenting. And this means that you actually support the other parent in having authority, normal, natural authority as a parent in their child's life, that you don't undermine that. When basically what you're doing is you're giving your child the right, that it's their right to respect both their parents, to rely on both their parents, to receive care and feel cared for and receive love and feel loved by both their parents. And that's what um, you do when you support the other parent's autonomy. So what I would love to do is I'd love to get some of your experiences and comments about how this, you know, may or may not be working for you. And I can help you to see how to apply these concepts to your own personal situation. So leave a comment. The other thing is that if you haven't already viewed my free class called Co-Parenting Sanity, Definitely, you want to do that. You may even want to listen to this episode again after you've listened to that or viewed that free class. It's a video, and you can access it at naomidouglas.com.au forward slash free class. Thanks so much for being here for this podcast. I hope it's been helpful. If you want more information, come and visit me at naomidouglas.com.au or write naomi at naomidouglas.com.au.